Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. This season of Lent, we are focusing on a biblical theme while exercising a brief meditation, resulting in a spiritual resonation of our hearts and minds as we live faith out in our daily lives. Lent is a time to intentionally pursue an encounter with Christ in a deeper, more personal way as we anticipate the observance of Good Friday and the celebration of Easter Sunday. For additional Lent devotionals, download the Fox River app or follow us on your favorite social media outlet at Fox River CC. And now, your host, Pastor Rob Warnell. Have you joined us today, whether it be right here physically in Waukesha, but we probably also have those who are right now in their cars listening or maybe even at work on your lunch break. We want to say thanks for coming and joining us today. We get to walk this journey together. And so we are on this day 22 of 40 days of preparation heading into Easter, and it's called A Pause for Lent, where we're focusing on Jesus, right? That shouldn't be a surprise to any of us. And when I think about Jesus, I think most Christ followers would say, I want to be like Jesus. But in order to be like Jesus, we have to know what Jesus was like. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at really one of the greatest characteristics that he had. And that is this, that he left a place in his heart for the poor. He had this strong capacity for compassion. And he kept it. A lot of times we would think, you know what, of all the people that he could have come to, you know, why didn't he come for those who were healthy? Why didn't he come for those who were wealthy? You know what, he was a king. Why didn't he hang out with others, you know, more like him? Because that was not the intent. That was not the reason that he came. And so as we work our way towards Easter, I want you to imagine this, okay? Just kind of picture it the best that you possibly can, your picture of Jesus. He was spending time, because he was a great teacher, in what was called the synagogue, much like, much like our churches, okay? But a Jewish synagogue, he would go there, and what would happen is a rabbi or a teacher would be asked to read from Scripture, and they would choose two portions of Scripture. One was from the first five books of the Old Testament, called the Law. The other one was a portion of Scripture that would come from the, prophets, the prophecies, one of the prophets, And so in this case, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4. You might be saying right away, wait, 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 wait. That's not the Old Testament. You're right. But it's going to describe Jesus in the synagogue happening while he was here on this earth. And look at what happens. Again, imagine Jesus reading from these two portions of Scripture, actually one here that we're going to see in Luke 4, where we find him there in the synagogue. 700 years before he came, this passage was written, and it was written about him, because many of Isaiah's prophecies were called messianic prophecies, meaning they're about the coming Messiah. And if you can imagine Jesus reading these words, in Luke chapter 4, verse number 18, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Wow. Jesus was sharing this moment, right? And he was sharing it with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it's being written about him as he's reading this. We see the whole Trinity there. He was sent by God the Father and the Holy Spirit to bring good news, freedom, and sight. Some of the greatest needs that any of us could ever imagine. He brought it for everyone, yes, but specifically to the oppressed of this world. 
Jesus had this way to see the need of every person and allow that need to travel from his head to his heart and then out into his hands. And he wants the same thing for each of us. Jesus had a special place in his heart for those who were hurting. And the question is, do you? Do we? Because if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to also have a special place in our hearts for those who are in need. Now, I can't say that I've ever experienced poverty. And many who are listening, maybe you would feel that same way. The closest thing for me was, besides being in college, okay, and being a broke college student, other than that, as a child, there was a time when my dad didn't have much work. He became self-employed, and it didn't go so well at times, and so didn't have a lot, and it was probably hard to pay the bills, if not impossible, but my parents were pretty good at guarding us from all that, so I don't even know the whole story behind it. But that was the closest that I could say personally that I experienced poverty. But what I have experienced is this. I've seen and have friends who experience extreme poverty on a regular basis. Sometimes in our own backyard, but especially when you travel overseas. And as I've gone to minister to people in both Kenya and Nicaragua, I've seen that poverty. And what happened with Jesus is that something special would happen when he looked out on the multitudes, when he'd look out on the people, and he would not just ignore their needs, but he'd allow them to sink in. And each time that I experience it through our friends, I'm quickly reminded of how easy it is to insulate myself from poverty because it's uncomfortable to see it. And you can't help but wonder, what should I do? And I don't oftentimes want to ask that question, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus never insulated himself from someone else's need. What he did was he stepped into it. He didn't always fix it, but what he did was he planted himself right in the midst of the poor. It's like, wow. He didn't hide himself from those in need. He allowed himself to be overwhelmed by it, even. And doing so, he was still able to maintain his compassion. There's a passage in Matthew. He brings some insight to this. When these crowds are all around Jesus, I can't imagine being just overwhelmed by people, needy people, right? I don't know about you, but I get my fill of needy people really fast where it's like, I, I just can't handle this anymore. And Jesus had throngs of them just around him. And this is one of those occasions where Matthew describes it this way. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, it's one thing to know that poverty exists in this world, right? Because to, not, to, to deny it would be foolish, we can't deny that it exists. To know it's one thing, but to allow it to travel from our head to our heart, that's a whole nother thing. But that's where the battle often really gets heated. Do you ever notice that? When your need or someone else's need is trying to go from just knowing it to actually feeling compassion for them, a battle goes on there. And sometimes my heart's saying, no, I'm, I'm not letting that in. Just keep it at an emotionless just thought, okay? Because if you get too attached here, you might feel obligated to have to step in further. And my heart doesn't like that. And it doesn't do it easily. And so when it comes to that battle that goes on, there's something really in most of us that just doesn't want to go there. 
to go from knowing about the poor to actually feeling for them, to have compassion for them. This is what we're talking about. And that compassion that Jesus had when he looked at the multitudes and he felt with emotion, he felt their needs. Now, in order to do that, we need to make it personal and keep it personal, don't we? Avoid justifying our lack of going there. And so I want to kind of put a little test out there. Those of you who might be listening, you're going to have to visualize this, okay? Just picture it because you've all seen it before. You pull up to a stoplight, wherever it may be, and you see a person who's not dressed very nicely, and they have a piece of cardboard, don't they? And it might say something like this, I'm hungry, but what they're really asking is this, can you see me? Can you see me? Or am I invisible to you? And the justification starts for me right away. Maybe it doesn't for you. And maybe that emotion you're able to get to quite easily. And some of the thoughts that go to that justification mode are something like this. They must be lazy. There's plenty of jobs if they really wanted one. You ever thought this? And I've heard that that person actually makes more money begging than I make at my job. (laughs) And we begin to think, I'm not going to help them. If we even get that far, right? Because as soon as you see the cardboard sign, it's real easy to just look the other way, isn't it? Because, like, I don't want to read what's on that cardboard sign. I don't want to feel poverty for someone else. We might think they must have made some really bad choices in life. And so they're in that place because that's where God wants them. I don't know about that. Or obviously, they must be outside of God's will, right? Or they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in. Or here's probably the biggest one. Biggest justifier. I can't help everyone. Wow. You see, we can't let any of these things keep us from compassion even if they're true, even if they're true. We still need the compassion that Jesus showed, that special place in his heart for those in need. You ever notice this? Jesus didn't quiz everyone on their choices before he helped them. The only question that you'll really see when he sees someone in need, and it's kind of a puzzling one, is he will say to them, what can I do for you? Now, I don't know about you. I'm already thinking you're God. You don't need to ask that question. But it showed the compassion, didn't it, at that point? And so in doing that, we see he didn't go through the list of justification of why he didn't need to help them. He often simply asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And he didn't allow the fact that he could not help everyone stop him from helping someone. He didn't help everyone. He didn't heal every individual, but he did some. It reminds me of a story of a man. He was walking along the beach, and when he noticed the boy picking up something and gently throwing it in the ocean, approaching the boy, he asked, what are you doing? The youth replied, throwing starfish back into the ocean. The surf is up, and the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them back, they'll die. Son, the man said, Don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach, and there are hundreds of starfish? You can't make a difference. 
After listening politely, the boy went, bent down, picked up another starfish, and he threw it back into the water. Then he smiled at the man, and he said, I made a difference to that one. It's important, isn't it, that we don't look at the multitudes and think, what can I do? What can I do? Because sometimes we can help one or two or three, possibly. To have compassion like Jesus, we have to get past our justifications, though. And we have to be willing to go there, straight to our hearts, just like Jesus allowing others' needs to travel from our heads to our hearts. But there's still one more place that he wants it to go. And it's probably the most difficult of all. Because he wants it to go from our heads, through our hearts, and into our hands. Not in every case. Because the truth is, we can't help everyone. That is true. But it shouldn't keep us from helping someone. You see, too often our focus is on what we don't have, and as long as our focus remains on what we don't have, we're going to have a really hard time helping others in need, specifically those who are poor. You know, every time I've had the opportunity to be with our friends in Kenya and Nicaragua, God seems to do something major in my life in giving me a life lesson. And one of those that I distinctly remember was on my first trip to Nicaragua, where we had a great missionary friend, Donna Woodson, who sat our team down before we were starting to help minister to the people there. And she shared this great nugget of wisdom with us. She said, you're going to be tempted to look at these people and think about all the things that they don't have that you do. She said, I want you to flip that around. I want you to consider the things that they have and you don't. I knew exactly what she was talking about. You see, for these people, their poverty was not of their own doing. It wasn't. And it wasn't because they were outside of God's will. And the reason I knew that is this, because some of them had greater faith and greater joy and greater love for Jesus than I did. And that was hard to look at. And that was hard to see. Because a lot of times I want to put a person's circumstances on them and say, the reason you are in the circumstances you're in are because of you and no one else. But that just isn't true. And so looking at that in a different light, I recognized again, when my focus is drawn off the things that I lack, I can see with greater compassion. But I have to take my eyes off the things that I think I lack. You know, when you consider this, when you begin to look as we watch clips recently, right, of those who have recently fled Ukraine into Poland and other countries, it's hard to complain about how small my house is when I know someone doesn't have a house to live in anymore. When I'm complaining about what I have to eat for dinner tonight and how I don't like it, it's really hard to do that when I see in front of me a child who not only may they not have that next meal, but if they do, it's probably going to be the same one that they had the day before and the day before that. It's really hard to keep that focus on what Jesus kept his focus on when I'm constantly looking at the things that I want and that I don't have. 
You know, we have an opportunity, just like Jesus did. True, we cannot do everything, but we can do something. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 40 tells us this. When we help those in need, it's as if we're doing it for Jesus himself. The way it puts it is this. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. There was a question even when somebody, when somebody heard that statement. They're like, when did we ever feed you? When did we ever give you a cup of water? And he said, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. You see, when we help someone else in need, we are actually helping Jesus as if it were Jesus himself. So this Lent, this week even, will you allow someone else's needs to travel, to travel from your head through your heart and into your hands. And I mean, be very intentional about it. Don't allow the justifications to enter in, but to actually do something about it. It may be a financial gift. It could be. Right now, as Fox River, we're giving towards Convoy of Hope. Why? Because they're right there in the thick of it, helping those who are homeless, refugees from Ukraine right now. So it could be a gift to them. Maybe it's in a, a first-time gift to something called My Gift for Jesus, which is the way that we help feed and educate children that are in Kenya or, or help those who have medical needs that are in Nicaragua. Maybe it's given an additional gift. You can do both of those through the Fox River website or our app. But to say, I'm going to do that this Lent because I want to do what Jesus did, and that is have a place in my heart for the poor. But go beyond that. Look for someone in your life that has a need. Let it sink deep into your heart and then let it flow into your hands and do something for them. Now, right away you might be saying, but I don't have someone like that right now. Well, then pray. Would you pray a bold prayer that says, God, would you bring someone along my path today, today that I can help meet that need, that I can show the compassion that Jesus did as well. Let's leave a place in our hearts for the poor, just like Jesus does. Jesus, the one who brought good news to the poor. And let's not skip that. The whole intent is not just to meet a physical need, but to meet a spiritual need, one that says, Jesus loves you, and he proved it, and that's what Easter is about. He went to the grave, he rose from the grave for you, so that you could be saved. That's the good news. He was buried in that tomb, and after three days, he rose from the grave for us. That's Easter. Would you pray with me for those opportunities that God has for us, again, to be like our Savior, Jesus Christ? Lord God, we thank you first and foremost for the provision that you give to us. Sometimes the provision brings about a comfort that needs to be broken even because we can be so comfortable that we don't do the things that are right there in front of us. So God, I pray that you would help us to have the compassion like you had. Lord, that you still have. That compassion that was able to look at people for who they are, see their needs, and have it travel from your head through your heart and into your hands. and Help it be the same for each and every one of us. And God, I do ask for everyone who's within hearing 
of your word right now. That, God, that you would bring someone along their path who it's so evident, God, whether it be poverty, whether it be illness, whether it be, be they need wisdom, support, God, whatever it may be, bring someone along their path that it's very obvious that there's a need that they can meet. God, I pray that you'd help us to act upon that, to be like you. And God, we pray that our hearts, God, would be in a place that we would be compassionate. God, that we would see others through a different lens, a different focus, and that we would pause, God, and that we would see you, God, work through us and in us. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen.